podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm your host, Matt, joined tonight by Kev O'Sullivan. And in the light of a pretty hot day in the world of online Ryan Gravenberch news, Kev, it's a pretty busy day, so thought we'd have a little show and talk about where the land lays as we head into the final two days of transfer window. How are you this evening, Mr. O'Sullivan? Uh, not too bad. Uh, woke up this morning and it was all noise that started really coming about Mo Salah and Joe Gomez from, above all people, Jan Argafjortoft, which you don't expect loose talk like that from someone like him. But it was interesting, to say the least. And, you know, as the day wore on, the, the usual suspects, the usual Liverpool suspects that you expect to come out and quash this kind of stuff didn't. Didn't say anything about it really, but then six o'clock came and Ornstein came out with the tweet that Liverpool were linked, uh, were in talks with Bayern Munich for Ryan Gravenberch. And um, I'm kind of that sat there, oh, that's nice. And then I'm like, yeah, I scratch my head, uh, why? Why are we linked with Ryan Gravenberch? What's the point? Um, I'm looking at and it's been four hours since now. And you know, you know yourself. You do your you do a dig, a dig on him. You do, you know, you look around, see what the stats are like, see what his videos are like, see what his performance have been like, see what people are talking about. And then I tend to look at what Bayern Munich Twitter is saying. Are they up in arms about the idea of losing this young kid? And they really aren't. They're kind yeah. of like delighted with life. But all of this talk about Ryan Gravenberch, it's all sus. It's all hinges on Munich being able to get a deal done for Polina from Fulham, I think, at around a fee of 60 million euro. Just and, far less than the price that we were kind of thinking was the number to get him if when Liverpool was, you know, or at least Liverpool fans were batting around the idea of us going for Jao Paulinha. Like, it seemed like they were looking yeah. for, you know, 75, 80. Mm-hmm. Right. And Funny. you've got to ask yourself, well, the thing is, I, I know you understand it because it would have been a very similar thing when um, Harry Kane was being linked with Bayern Munich. There's a Bayern Munich price and there's a Premier League price. You know, and if you're Fulham, and bear in mind, you've already lost Mitrovic and you know you've got to have to be really busy in the window over the last few weeks, over the last week or so, you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to get mucked about in, in this window and you're not going to, you're not going to dilly-dally around on, on players when you know Fulham are in a position at the minute where Fulham have to get bodies in the door. So they're not going to... They'll literally be... You know that meme with the guy at the counter? It'd be like, slap the price down, that's the price. If you don't want to pay the price, that's it. Go go, go away. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got a feeling that's kind of the negotiation that's going to happen with Bayern Munich because the guy who owns Fulham isn't exactly... I think it's Tony Khan. He's not exactly the type of guy to be... Uh, He'll do deals, and if the deal is right for Fulham, he'll do it. But Fulham still need to address their issue with getting players. This is all the domino effect stuff, and everything is all against ticking clock that's two days left to go. You know, we've got two days and one hour to 
for deals to get done and dusted, less if you're in France and Spain and Italy. So the, anything that we do for Ryan Gravenberg hinges on Palinia to Bayern. The talk is that we've looked at, um, I don't think a deal for Liverpool, the Liverpool side to get Gravenberg is going to be a problem. You know, the money that they're being talked about, 30 million euro, with a percentage going to IX, IX have a seven and a half percent sell-on clause. They bought him for eighteen point five million. They'll want to make a few kid on a few quid on the deal as well. But he's been there for twelve months, and it just hasn't worked. And the thing is, you see it with an awful lot of players, especially young players, when they go to a big club, if they hit the ground running, fantastic. You're you look like the best things since sliced bread. The vast majority don't. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it looks like Bayern want to cut their losses and move on. They've got some really good young talent coming through the door anyway. So if they can help fund a deal for Paulinho by selling Gravenberg, that's what they're going to do. But for us, it's um, it's a head scratcher because I don't. I think. Look, I don't know what you think. I'll get in what I think in a minute. But what do you think about it? Because the way I'm, I look at it, I know I've got an idea on what we need. And I'm seeing how we're playing, and I'm looking at him going. Well, you don't ex- you don't affect the starting eleven, you don't affect the bench. Uh, you're saying you want to leave Bayern because you want to play games. I don't see how that happens for us this season. It might happen in the future, but I don't see him affecting a starting eleven for Liverpool in the Premier League this season in any way, shape, or form. Not with, no, and- not with anything he's done in the last twelve months. Unless he takes you really by surprise, and I'm very happy you said that 12-month thing. You pulled this up here from uh, Colin Creamy. He says he wasn't bought on the last year, Kev. Liverpool are buying him on the back of his Ajax days. They know there's a player there and that he is multifunctional. And uh, Arj also says, mm-hmm. you know, his potential is very high. We've been tracking him for years. I don't mm-hmm. care what people think. It's what Klopp, the scouts, and the club think, which is all, yeah. it's all very true. Like, I don't think at any point in the window, if you were just told, and Liverpool are going to sign Ryan Gravenberch, nobody's like, you know, this is a travesty, but it's, no, it's pretty undeniable. Like, you know, me, I'm pretty sunny, positive looking about yeah, pretty much everything around this club. And even I'm just like, I don't know where he plays. I don't know where he plays and the places where I think he would fit into our team. The other players on the depth chart are either better than him or have just as much or better cause to be given the opportunity to get those like there's only so many minutes in each position on a pitch like you know if you're a left-sided eight we can only play one of them at a time and if that means that curtis jones doesn't get as many minutes or harvey elliott doesn't get as many minutes i i don't know how much i want ryan Brab- or ryan grabenberg that much gonna trip over that one a few times uh <laughs> but clearly he's a decent player like i watched oh, yeah. I watched the Netherlands a fair bit in the under 21 euros that were on this summer because also uh, quick Mick was playing for them. And, you mm-hmm. know, Curtis and Harvey were featuring with England and it was quite a good little tournament. And he didn't really, there was a few times where just because he looked a little bit bigger than some of the other kids that are more kids, whereas he's more, you know, built like a man playing at the highest level for the last three, four seasons, you know, he's had that conditioning to get him there. But other than that, he didn't really, like, scream, like, wow, what a player. Like, we have to go and get him. So it raises also some interesting questions around homegrown needs and stuff like that. But, I mean, the club will have to just deal with that, you know, as that comes. But for me, the biggest thing, Kev, is I don't 
I don't know if we as fans and outside viewers of the team know what the club sees the number six role being going forward. It's about the only way I can kind of wrap my head around it because everybody can look at our team and see that there is an opportunity to immediately upgrade one key position on the pitch. You know, if we could go and get a true world-class player to play as that number six in our midfield, it changes everybody's perspectives. You know, doubters to believers sort of signing is what that is. Mm. But that's in the way that we think of it. And I don't know if the club seems fairly committed, unless we're down to 10 men, to playing with the three box three formation. And I'm wondering if the way the two you know, midfielders, one of them, Trent, and then whoever is the deep lying of the three, quote unquote, midfielders, if you line it up four, three, three. I wonder if the way they work in tandem, like if they split up the work differently, if you see what I mean, like where what yeah. we think of a six being of like Fabinho or somebody like Rodri or something like that, who even Rodri's position will have also changed just simply because of having John Stones all of a sudden tucked up beside him. Like we might be off, like hopefully, Hopefully this is maybe that's the best way to put it. Hopefully we're all just behind the curve and we haven't realized what the coaches realize yet that our six doesn't need to be a destroyer type or something like that. Like you can play another player in that position that can just get the ball back, mm -hmm. recycle the ball, keep the ball. And possibly it's the reason why out of the three senior midfielders at the team coming into the summer, the one that they choose to keep was Tiago. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it, I think it, I look. I, I think I look. I look at him at the minute, right? And he doesn't have the discipline to play the number six role. He doesn't, and he never has. It, it's not his. It's not his position. That doesn't mean to say that he doesn't have the physical attributes to play it. He does. He's six foot three, and he's built. He's stacked. He looks. He looks physically imposing. He's got. He's come through the IX system, so he's got a good football brain. The art said about you're buying the player that came in from Ajax. Well, yeah, you, you, you're buying the Ajax education. You're buying the Bayern Munich experience of failure. And you're trying to package that into a side under Klopp to develop the player for the length of his contract. I've often said it on shows for as long as I've been doing it. Liverpool very rarely go out and sign a player for the next six months they always have a view of a player to, that comes in the door of where is this player going to be in two years four years are we going to extend his contract how is it going to look how is he going to look within the club in three years time or whatever so he's going to have a lot of work to do to get to the type of player that i think Klopp will want him to be but at the same time, he's capable of it. He carries the ball really well. He's got a good distribution. He's got a good passing range. Um, I think that he gets caught on the ball sometimes. He, even when he was at Ajax, he gets caught on the ball just making wrong decisions. But that's the naivety of youth. You know that. Yeah. The only problem with that, if you're doing that in the Premier League, you get found out. That's why I was watching a, a bit. I watched the first half of the Rangers game tonight. Uh, again, I watched it just to watch Sangare, and Sangare. I know of when we were playing 4-2-3-1. Sangari was the second central midfielder who bombed on. He got into the box so often. Hmm. He doesn't have the discipline to sit and hold. It's not his. It's, it's He just, he'd get eaten up in the Premier League sitting and holding and playing the way he does. He can't keep it simple. Gravenberch, 
I don't see him being innate in the in the same way as what Sabazlai or McAllister's. He's, he's a country mile behind those two at the minute. And fair enough, they're a lot further down the road in their development. But he has the ability to get there. And I'd rather him get there on our clock than us go looking for him in three years' time when he hits that peak or that ceiling and we have to go and get him because you're not getting him for 30 million then. Yeah. All right. Um, but I just all I'd say is he doesn't have to be registered for the Premier League, which is great. He's he's born after the cutoff date, so he's 21 May 4th, I think. So he's he's good that way. He doesn't have to be registered this year for the squad, which leads me to hope that he is not the only one that comes through the door this 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 window because as good uh group of footballers that we have at the club. We have some really good technical footballers at the club. We have one proper holding six. We have, it looks like Nat Phillips is out the door, uh, heading to Celtic and loan. Good move for him. Uh, Bradley picked up a stress fracture in his back. Uh, God knows how long he's going to be out for. And it looks to me now, We've got glaring is- a glaring issue where if you want to play, I think the way the idea would have been to give Bradley minutes in the Europa League, the domestic, the League Cup early rounds, so that Trent wouldn't have to play them. All right. Uh, Joe Gomez would have been playing in the same games. So as Virgil doesn't have to play them, Kanate doesn't have to play them. At the minute, if you don't have a backup to Trent, and your backup to Trent is playing centre-back because Virgil's suspended or Ibu is injured, we have to bring in a defender. We have to bring in a defender in the next few days. We're woefully short. And it's not a case of short of numbers. It's short of, of, of availability. And it's not even, you know, you look and you look around the names of who you can bring in. That's why I look at the Gravenberts one. And I'm thinking, okay, fair enough. We're not going to. He's not going to take up a spot on, on the on the list to be registered. It leaves a spot open to bring someone in. Yeah. Who that is, yeah. I've no idea. But the clock is ticking, and we don't have that much time. You know, in two days, you expect to get a deal done, a phys, a, a medical done, and signed off and registered before mid before eleven o'clock on Friday night. You know, we knew this clock was coming. We knew what we needed, and we haven't yeah. got it fucking done. It's like it's getting to that frustration stage now. Oh, it! I might have just given the stage of frustration a skip and just went went right to laughing at the absurdity of it all. Of like, I don't know. It should be interesting, regardless. Though, uh, Lazo uh, saved this comment. As he says, it's obvious. Gravenberg wanted out as soon as he got to Bayern. He totally regrets swerving us last year. Which I I like the sounds of that. I mean, have have a player come in that really has something to prove. Uh, but somebody else said, if you gave me Gravenberch and told me we were signing a center half on deadline day, I would be happy with the window. And that's kind of what it feels like. It's going to be in a best, best case scenario. I wouldn't be happy with it. I'd be content with it because I think that's the bare fucking minimum. Ah. I mean, that's the, that's the bare minimum. When you look at the amount of players that we've lost out of the squad, and not just the players, the experience and the availability of some of the players that we've lost out of the squad, we've we we need to get that 
those signings in the door because we were talking about it before we came on, came on, and it's like Barman City. I think every single club is missing something, even Arsenal. You know, Arsenal's supposedly done great business. Arsenal have got issues in the squad. Every side has issues in the squad. I mean, Chelsea have just not got a squad. They've just got a collection of uh, of playthings. You know, I can't take them seriously. Newcastle, they have pro- they have issues in their squad. Every club has got issues in their squad, and we feel that we're missing out on an opportunity to really push Man City by not getting what we need in this window to push us along. Because once the games start coming thick and fast, the Thursday Sundays, the no one has actually ever, as far as I know, someone in the chat could correct me if I'm wrong. No one has actually won the Premier League while playing in the in the Europa League that same hmm. season. It's a difficult enough competition to stay in and go on and win and qualify for the Champions League spots as a right, purely and simply because of the volume of games you have to play. I think a better question would be, in. has any team even come close, though? Because if you think about the, the titles in the last 20 years, who outside of Leicester would be considered a non-traditional you know, Champions League team? So You'd always have sides that would have um, dropped out of the Champions League in the knockout stages and dropped into the Europa League and kicked yeah, on. But by the time they got to semi-final stage, you know, you're talking mid-March. The, the, there was there's always too much to juggle around with the with the two competitions. With the Champions League and the Premier League, it's almost one pushes the other on. You know, it's like Chris asked there, who or what would have been would be an ideal business this summer. Um, a number. Of, I would have. I would have hoped that by the end, of, by the time the window closes, the spine of the side is looking like a spine of a side that's going to be together for the next five years. I thought we did a really good job addressing the strikers and the forward situation in in replacing players as they were going or before, just before they were going. I think losing Henderson and Fabinho is a huge blow. I think the addition of McAllister and Sabozla is fantastic business. Uh, brilliant players. and Love what I'm seeing out of them. But the lack of available quality in that number six role throughout football. It's not just in the Premier League. You, There is not many that you can think of off the top of your head that are you look and you go... Yeah, he's going to be, he's a proper six. He's a proper Rodri. You know, Rodri is so far away, clear of the rest. It's unreal. He's so But good. at the same time, yeah. At the, and, and fair play to Man City for spotting it and bringing him in early because they brought and him in. paid big money. Yeah. And and bedded him through with, for, uh, Fernandinho was there at the time yeah. to bed him through. And look, if you've got that money to do it, fair play. And they did it really, really well. But, that doesn't mean you, there isn't value out there and quality in that position. Endo, Endo looks a, a tidy player. He looks a very tidy six. He's very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I don't think he's a stopgap signing. I don't think he's a, a bit bop, a bit part player. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to when he when he gets used to the pace of the league. I think he'll be fine. But he's an adequate player for the next couple of years. It might be the case that they look at Gravenberg and say, "Okay, we've got you now." And in you know, over the next 18 months, you're going to be taking on that role to what Endo does. 
You know, that could be the plan for him. Maybe it is. I don't know. But also, we should, we've got to be starting to look at the amount of time that we need Virgil to play and maybe start to look at bringing in a look to start to bring in a center back to you know basically look at it. okay Virgil is probably at the, the the top of the curve now for his ability as a center half he's not gonna he's not gonna yeah you just hope it's a plateau not you just a- you just hope yeah you just hope that that plateau for Virgil is a couple of years but at the same time, I thought the Ibu Kanate business was really good. I th- I don't think we've planned Joe Matip, Joe Matip's exit very well. I think we needed to bring in a, a player to start to phase Joe Matip out of the squad this summer. And who that is, I don't know. I don't think that's an easy that's an easy job to do. It's almost like going to be the case of what do you do when Mo Salah goes. Nah. It's like you're not going to replace Mo Salah. You're, it's just, you're not going. You're there are some very good centre backs out there, but there's not many commanding centre backs that you look at and you go, yeah, well, he's just a colossus. I, you know, if you're a striker and you're looking at Virgil, you're like, yeah, I don't fancy it today. <laughs> Whereas now, more and more, year on year, they're they're fancying it. Yeah, we don't well, have someone else coming up behind. You know, it's it's a worry. Ibu Kanate should be the guy developing that aura about him because, I mean, in terms of physically, like, I'll always harken back to the 5-0 the at Old Trafford when it was that Bruno tried to get into his face and he's just laughing at him and towering over him. Like this yeah. Absolute colossus of a center half. But obviously the injury issues are coming up. So, I mean, if we think about some of the names mentioned at center half, somebody up here, where is it? Where is Gonzalo Inacio? Gonzalo Inacio is the one name that always gets linked. Um, it's, a, it's a strange one, though, isn't it, Kev? Like, it's, yeah. I, I, I believe this is, not to give away Gab's opinion, but why didn't we sign? Like, Gravenberch has been there all summer. Why are we waiting to the last couple of days? I get the same sort of worry about Gonzalo Inacio. Like, everybody and their dog knows that he had a release clause. And then I believe he signed a new contract with a slightly higher release clause in it. But there's still a release clause just sitting there. Of like, why has nobody gone for this player? I know nothing about him. All I know is that he's a left-footed, yeah. left-sided center half that can maybe play some yeah. left-back if you need him to. And it's like, well, that sounds perfect for us. And for a lot of teams, you know, like Tottenham could have gotten him for probably cheaper than they ended up paying for quick Mick Vandeven. Looks like United might need a left-sided center. Like, I... Well, maybe not left side. Brian plays on the right side, but there's just nothing there. Antonio Silva, I believe, was the other center half out of uh, Portugal that kind of his name got bandied about. And then, of course, uh, sharing the same agent with Moises Caicedo, playing for Leverkusen, uh, Piero Hincapié, who is uh, chat member Jerry's absolute favorite person in the yeah. whole entire world. I've never seen any of these players play. I'm okay with signing hey. any of them. If you bring in Cappy, I have. Yeah, in Cappy, I have. Um, he's decent. He's all right. You know, I think he's. A, he, I think in is, is more suited to a back three personally. Um, but yeah, he's a decent player. Mark Guehi, good player. You know, Teatro, I've never seen him. I've seen the name, uh, but I haven't seen him. The the one that I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't have minded being linked with was Alessandro Bastoni. Um, I think he's a he's got he's a proper centre half. He's a proper defender. Um Gonzalo Inacio, um again, 
Newcastle were linked with him. We were linked with him. PSG were linked with him. There's, this it seems a lot of noise around a lot of players this summer, but when you actually go to look and see who's actually moved, of all of the noise that went around with players, there's not many, not many. So you wonder the noise was coming from it, an awful lot of noise is coming from agents. And we've seen how um, you know, Kaiseido's agent operates. You know, it's uh get my players' names in the press linked with every time they can hurry out there. And someone might buy eventually and drive the price up. Um, I don't know. I liked what I saw the other day when um, what's his name came on as a sub. Uh, Joe Gomez. No, I like Gomez anyway. But mm-hmm. um, oh gosh, some for our us? player, our kid. Yeah, oh, our Kwanzaa. Kid. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Yeah, Kwanzaa. I watched him in preseason and thought, yeah, he's neat and tidy. Yeah, but I was I was wondering if he was the type of player that say played as a right back who tucked into that back three in a box and allowed a player on the left side to tuck in. Is he that player who could develop as your right side of centre back of a three, possibly? Because he's he's a good footballer, he can carry the ball, he can pass the ball. Kev, he's are, young, are, he's quick. are you are I'm you not talking about three at the back? No, no, I'm not. I'm talking about the way that we play the box three. You know, that three box three. Can he play as a right back when we're defending while tucking in uh, while we're on the ball going forward? Maybe he can. I don't know. Play, play Trent at left days, back? Or? It, no, play whoever, whether it be Robertson who would tuck in or Costas when he was doing it in preseason. He was tucking into midfield when we were flipping it, when Trent wasn't yeah, available. It tended to be the left-hand side that did that rather than the right-hand side. Because, like I said, at the minute, we've got two days to go. And I honestly said, I said to Chris the other day that if nothing happens by today, nothing's going to happen. You know, I thought uh, if nothing happened today, if we didn't start hearing noise from the usual suspects, from basically from the gang of three, if we didn't hear anything coming out of the gang of three today, then we were done. And the only and we name did. that we've seen, the only name that we've seen come out today was Ryan Gravenberch. And that came with a huge caveat that it is all hinging on their ability to get the player for the price that they want from Fulham that Fulham really don't want to sell. Because for the 60 million that they could get for him, 60 million euro, they paid 20 odd. He could be the difference in them finishing in the top 10 and them finishing in 15th. How much does that mean to Fulham in TV money, in prize money? In Premier League, just basically basic Premier League revenue, they might look for a lot more than sixty million. And if that's the case, Bayern walks away, Bayern keep their player, and we're sat there twiddling our thumbs, saying, "Okay, that's what we got now. The window's closed. Oh, I wish we had done something, but we didn't." And that's where we are now. Have Bayern buy Paulinho Forest and just funnel the money through them in some sort of <laughs> Chelsea Clear Lake PIF sort of maneuver? Uh, Luke Boot here with the meanest question of the night, which is, would you take Clement Longley on loan for a year on deadline day, or are we not that desperate? No, we're not that I'm, desperate. I am not that desperate. I'm not. I would rather, I, the, min- I'd rather the minutes go to Gerald Wanza. Yeah, he's going, he's going to Villa. Clement Longley. He's going to Villa. Yeah, he's, he's really? going to Villa. Yeah, he's going to Villa on loan. Uh, I think Ashley has it in there. Um, he's been really strongly linked with uh, Aston Villa. 
and it's it's literally there's movement coming out. There's a lot of movement coming out of Spain in the last 24 hours. Get away from us for a minute. Ansu Fati going to uh, Spurs on loan. Um, he was linked with Brighton as well, but he looks like he's going to to Spurs. A couple of years ago, he was the next big thing. Uh, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was now, so good in FIFA a couple of years ago. Mate, after his injury, he had a horrific injury. Can't get back in the side. So, there, you know, I'm just looking here now. You've got Manchester United, Fiorentina reject United loan bid for Amrabat. Talks are ongoing. Apparently, the United loan bid was a million now and a million in January if we decide to still keep him. How, and, are they are they completely broke, Kev? Are Manchester United, like, did yes. they pull up their bank app and it just showed zeros? Like, holy shit. Because they, they, yeah. they need, they Manchester, need some midfielders. Manchester United are in the mud because they needed to sell McTominay and they needed to sell Maguire. Yeah, and you can't get either of them out the door because they won't. They won't pay them the um, bonuses that they're entitled to under the contract. By the looks of it, the draw is taking place for, or is has taken place, or is taking place. Uh, currently Cup. taking place. All right, cool. We have drawn Leicester City at home. Happy days, happy yeah. days. That, do, I'm yeah. delighted with that. Yeah, I'll Wait, take Leicester. that all day long. Yeah, let's measure these two teams' progress since we played them in the yeah. muggy heat even, of Singapore. Yeah, even uh, Lazlo in it, or even Sal van der Beek, it's not enough because van der Beek hasn't – they bought him for a healthy fee. They won't be able to recoup the, enough of the fee that they bought him in for to clear a profit on their balance sheet. So yeah. Manchester United are in absolute mud with financial fair play that doesn't exist. So that's why they're not signing anybody. Yeah, hilarious. You know? um, but I mean, even like a one million or two million euro loan fee—that's I, I insulting. Like, ah, that's if fans will not even make it. Like, save some face. Don't let that story get out. Like, at the like, do whatever you can if you're the Manchester United transfer PR committee to not let that story break because it just looks amateur which is excellent uh yeah, so yeah I, a few of the a few of the other games here uh chelsea have drawn brighton so that should be uh good the rich new money versus the often stolen from uh villa have everton in the next round so that should be another chastening day for the blues against aston villa man united have drawn palace Ooh, um chris prosser cutting across you here kevs he is tweeting that Ansu yeah, Fati seems I, to be going to Brighton. Yeah, I saw that one as well. There was a, a regular that we have on our shows on a Thursday. Um, Joe from Albion Obsessed put that one out. That Brighton were heavily linked as well. That's come from uh, the Barcelona press. So there could be some legs in that. It would actually make more sense for the type of football that Brighton play that Ansu Fati goes there. That would be an interesting prospect to see him on the right wing and Mitoma on the left wing to attack sides. That would be a very interesting uh, slightly slightly different than Sully it's, March. Uh, it's Megan just McCallion, it's a different role, yeah. Yeah. Next draw, Newcastle home to Man City. Ooh, that's getting tasty. That's getting yeah. tasty. Well, I'm um, looking at so. I mean, the thing is, 
when you look at it, and Spurs going out last night, it's um, that was a competition. This is a competition the Spurs needed to be in. You know, um, that that really hurt Spurs. But that's a great shout from Sam Tandy there. Wouldn't surprise if Matoma ends up at City, at Man City. The thing is, he plays in the same spot as Jack Grealish, and it's not as if Brighton are in any need or rush to sell anyone. Uh, James Horncastle saying Fiorentina won't accept anything less than thirty million for Amrabat. That's been the price all along, um, but we've seen over the last twenty-four to forty-eight hours what player power can do when you've seen a player go on strike at Wolves to force a move through, the move went through. Fiorentina aren't exactly in the strongest financial position. Um, I, I'd i imagine that they would accept a bid of probably up, you know, with add-ons up to €30 million Euro for the player. I think he's worth it. I honestly do. I think I would be all over it. I, I, I would almost sacrifice what we have as and go with what we have at the back to get him in i think he's a proper six i think between him and endo they could rotate that position but i just see if we do go down the road of bringing gravel birch in the next person that comes in the door has to be a has to be a, a defender i mean kenny there saying amrabat was a world cup wonder but he's average he's average but he still got to a european final last season and he was one of the main reasons for getting to that European final you know Fiorentina were nowhere near sorry capable of finishing in the um, in the top half in Serie A for a while and he got him to I think it was the Europa League final and he got the or the conference final it's one of the two and he was he's the way Fiorentina play it's kind of like I'll mind the house, everyone else bomb on. And to gain enough points playing in Italy to play the way the Fiorentina were playing, you're gonna get it, you're gonna look exposed from time to time, but overall you're gonna do a good job. You know, and he's what 25, 26? You know, endo at 30. He looks yeah, he looks older than he is. Yeah, he and plus he's I think he's um he's Moroccan, but he's born in Holland. He he's um he had his breeding, you know, his football education really in 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 Holland. Uh, that's where he came into contact with Eric Ten Hag. Um, that's why the links to Manchester United were so strong. Um, Chris Prosser asked there, what do you think of Calvin Phillips on loan? I think Calvin Phillips will needs a loan for the sake of his career because for a year at Leeds, when he first broke through and Leeds were starting to look like the side that were coming out of the championship, he looked really good. He was a good player. Yeah. He didn't Pep doesn't buy players for 45, 50 million pounds and get many wrong. He's a good, he's a decent footballer, you know, but he's a decent footballer who hasn't played enough football in the last two years. And I know people will say he, you know, Bielsa ran the legs off him. Bielsa did run the legs off him, but he hasn't run a job in two years. Yeah. So you know, it's not good for him. It's not good for his career to sit on the bench and sit and collect a paycheck. But I don't think he's the player for us, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring it back around. Uh, Chris Brack earlier in the show asked what would be ideal business for the summer for you. 
And I had another comment here yeah. from show favorite Laszlo Panaflex that says, mm. Bacetich, Gravenberch, Andre McAllister. That's a midfield we can base on for the next six years. Get Andre in January. And I cannot be more sold on just the way he plays, the position that Andre likes to take up in a very fluid and attacking team that, what is it, Denise, the Fluminense slash current Brazil coach plays with them. It's not a rigid banks of four type setup at all. And he is just an anchor in that midfield and can spray the ball all over the place. I, I think that's the type of player we need. And that's why I'm trying to convince myself that maybe the role of the six is just going to be different. Instead of having that dedicated defensive destroyer player, it's somebody who's still super silky on the ball and can just, they're like, it's that first instinct thing of instead of wanting to run forward and join the attack, is it seemed to me watching that Andre's first instinct was to check over his back shoulders where the two center halves were and make sure that, you know, he didn't leave the team short at the back sort of thing. So mm -hmm. I'm still hoping that they're going to have a massive uh, loss when they go to Asuncion tomorrow night in the second round or the return leg of their quarterfinal. We need a big three, nothing win for the Paraguayans and uh, Andre yeah, will be but... free and, I can see that deal doing being done. To be honest, I yeah. I I can see that deal being done. That kind of makes Good a lot price. of sense. I think it makes more sense to do that for January rather than now. I was talking to Shawnee about this and saying, look, it would be an, a massive statement of intent for us to get him now, but it would also cost fifteen million more to get him now. And he's been playing football since what January, February, and by the time the, the Brazilian tail end of a full season. Yeah, by the time the Brazilian season finishes, if, say, the season finishes October, the end of October, that would give him two months to get himself sorted out, get his life sorted out over here, get his house sorted out, get his family sorted, and be ready to come into the club in January. And if it's a case in January that we're not able to register, i.e. Adrian, so be it. And Pataluga yeah. takes the third spot as your your third choice keeper fine yeah. um i think that's i think i think that that's a deal that's going to get done anyway i think that's yeah. a deal that happens it seems to I, make I, sense I, like like the the few people with you know actual knowledge of the brazilian league that i've heard talk about it it seems as if really the players interested you know wants to come to liverpool liverpool seems to have scouted the player approached the player or whatever and we've learned the terms of this deal so I would like to see us just buy him now, pay the price for now, loan him back to Fluminense for the rest of their season. And then when they finish, he can have a month's holiday and he can come into Liverpool at the end of November, the start of December, whatever it is, and have an extra month. Have an extra yeah, I month. I think that's worth it. You rest him up, you bring him in so he gets settled, that he's not coming off of the plane and you know still living out of suitcases at a hotel sort of thing and dropping him into the team. If it was an attacker, maybe, yeah, go ahead and do that, or a crazy goalie or something like that. But the guy that's going to be at the base of your midfield, like, come on in, get to know everybody, you know, get up to speed with everything, learn our system a little bit, be able to practice and practice and watch game tape and stuff like that. I'm totally on board with that. I think he would be, I don't know, I... I can't recall the last time I've been this sold on a player that we have tenuous links to, but I've watched him twice now. And I really think that he could be a dynamite player in the way that we want to play football. And he's kind of cheap yeah. in the current market. 
he could oh, prove yeah. to be cheap. Like if we wait until January, the rumor price is about 25 million euros. That's yeah. that's a steal. Yeah. You know, you I get Wataru Endos for that price. Well, at the end of the day, I, I see that as being an absolute no-brainer. I mean, Chris is making the point that you want him to have the break after the season, get himself right mentally and physically to come into the Premier League. Yeah, there's um, what's his name? Man City did that with um, Alvarez. Yeah, you know they got the deal done, nice and quiet. You know, no fuss, no problem. Out of the limelight, stay out of the limelight. Everyone's looking at Haaland anyway, so you get yourself right for us when you want to cut. Well, we want you to come in in January. You know, and there's no pressure on him. Then that's I've no problem with that. I'm just seeing that there. Yeah, Brighton closing on the deal for Ansu Fati. Uh, yeah, that's that's mad. Um, Inter Milan signed Pavard. That's done and done deal now. Um, ah, well, that takes one of my uh, remaining questions yeah. off of the board then, because I was wondering if the long-term injury to Connor Bradley, and like somebody earlier in the chat said, just move Trent to midfield. And it was like, then we have zero right backs. <laughs> like then we have yeah. literally zero right backs. We don't even have yeah. a Milner, a Henderson, or a Fabinho. Who are the three midfielders that were our emergency right back cover? So Trent is definitely not moving into midfield unless we go yeah. full three at the back. But like I thought today of like, damn, we we're gonna need some cover there. Like we don't have a backup right back now. No, okay. not with uh and we're all assuming that this uh knock to Kanate is just a knock. You know, that it's it's just Nothing, and he's he'd be back available next week or whatever, you know. That's what we're assuming, that's what we're hoping. And then that way, Joe Gomez becomes you know, you're back on the bench and he's cover for Matip or for Trent, which is fine, no problem with that. But all the talk, and I bet you, if we started the show tonight talking about defenders to come in, everyone will be talking about left sided, you know, a left sided center back to come in and. and I was never on that. Sh I was never on that boat. Going back to the right to the start, I always wanted us to be looking at uh, right sided, a right, a right back, or someone who could play right back and centre back. I thought Pavard would have been okay as an option, but that ilk of player. And again, it's one of those things there ain't many about. There really ain't. I mean, Man City get away with it a lot because they generally, they genuinely start with four centre backs. And one of them drops into midfield and they tuck in to make a three. It's generally, John Stone's really good at it. Kyle Walker is decent at it. You know, at, at dropping into midfield, tucking in or going out wide. But, the, you know, they brought Gavardiol in to supplement Ake on that side. You know, it, I don't know who Liverpool could go out and get if they wanted to go out and get an orthodox right back now as cover. As and do everything else, yeah. Tossing, not a hope in hell. Not a hope in hell is he anywhere near ready. He's an he's an absolute donkey at the best of times. And Bella Koczkap can't stay fit. <clears throat> Bella Koczkap is a worse injury record than anything we've ever seen. You know, but I mean, maybe we talent, can fix him, Kev. No, there's no know? fixing. There's no fixing two years of broken. Yeah, and even when he was at Brighton, he had moments. But there's a reason why Brighton got relegated. Oh, sorry, not Brighton. Southampton got relegated. Yeah, they conceded goals for fun. They couldn't keep clean sheets. They couldn't stop side scoring. Kyle Walker Peters, another one, decent option, backup, fullback, up and down the line, tidy enough. I've got a but, name for you, Kev. Aaron Juan Basaka. Steady Eddie, right back. 
falls over dizzy. That's one for the people that cry about Trent's inability to defend and not also weigh into account the immense offensive output that he has. If you want a traditional right back, look at how much fun it is having Aaron Juan Basaka on your team. That year at Palace, he was phenomenal, but it's by no means Kevin Ball was I saying we should sign Aaron Juan Basaka. I'm just testing out uh, Kev's blood pressure (laughs) regulation. (laughs) At least you know the people in the chat are really, really on the ball. Yeah. They're listening. They're really listening. Um, Look, 15 minutes ago, go back to what we were talking about earlier, or what I woke up to this morning, Mo Salah. Yeah. Do you think that an offer will come in from Mo Salah, an actual credible offer will come in from Mo Salah in this window? Definitely. If it hasn't already already how we've been, like as we've been doing this show, it's they're definitely going to try to sign him. And – I think I had a breakthrough about this. Now, this is a little bit conspiracy theory and tin hattie. If I had some tinfoil around here, I would have made myself a crown. Are you familiar with the thought experiment, the ship of Theseus, Kev? Vaguely. So it's basically if a ship leaves port and goes out on a super long journey, and over the course of the journey, as the wear and tear happens to the boat, all the original pieces of the boat are eventually replaced piece by piece with new pieces. When the ship returns to the port, is it still the ship of Theseus? I'm thinking the Saudi Arabians tried to buy Liverpool last year, and they did not have a very good meeting with John W. Henry. (laughs) So they've decided to try to buy Liverpool piece by piece and reassemble it in Saudi Arabia. And I think I saw somewhere on the internet today, and I might also be just making this up, that they bought the old roof from the old Anfield Road end. So they've also started to buy the stadium. So... Yeah, that's my crazy take. Because it seems like that's what they're trying to do. Ginny Wijnaldum, linked to El Edivac today. You know, you're looking Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Henderson. Pretty sure that was the starting midfield when we won the Champions League. They all now play in Saudi Arabia. Mane Firmino. Firmino, Mane. Two, two of the three up front now play in Saudi Arabia. Salah would be the third one. That's half the team. That's half the Are damn you- team. For anyone who wanted a different analogy, it's, it's, it's Trigger's brush. It's Trigger's brush and only pools and horses. It's had 15 heads and 14 handles. Is it the same brush? There you go. <laughs> right. Oh, there was a, break, a bit of breaking news there now. Uh, Manchester United made an offer to Chelsea for defender Mark Cucurella with discussions ongoing between the two clubs. Talks centre around a loan deal for the 25-year-old Spanish left-back. One guy. Uh, Mark... Uh, Pochettino was non-committal. I don't know anything. When he's training with us, he's in our plans. But if things happen, the decision is for the club. Interesting. But anyway, no. It's um, it's one of those... It's for me, this late in the window, yeah. Ha- I mean, I'm seeing figures in around uh, $118 million. No. In all fairness, that wouldn't even get you inside the front door, as far as I'm concerned. It would have to be Neymar money. And it's not like they haven't got it because they're paying players these in wages. It would have to be a a bid on the table of in and around a quarter of a billion. It would have to be up around £250 million. It's a world record. It has to become the highest transfer ever. Yeah. It has to be. Um, and the thing is, for 
even then, for me, it would everything would be contingent on us getting a replacement, and that replacement would have to be our um, would have to be Bukayo Saka. And if we couldn't get a Saka through the door, then Salah's going nowhere. I think this is a conversation we're definitely going to be having next year because I think I think he goes next year. I think oh, he goes be- next summer. And I, You're but being I think that we, it's gonna it's gonna no, be January I, and the lead up to January. No, I just think he goes next summer because he'll have a year left in his contract. He'll be offered a deal. If he doesn't want to sell, if he doesn't want to sign the deal, it'll be along the lines of the Harry Kane stuff to Bayern Munich. They'll want him still, no doubt in my mind. It'll go for around the same money, but we're still left with the quandary of having to replace him. But I'd rather be looking to replace him with a year to look for someone, yeah, rather than two days left to go. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's resident and Chris, Chris, Chris right. Brack. Yeah, he says two hundred and fifty million pounds with two days to go in the window isn't going mm. to help us. And I think like no, I don't think you can get to the point where Liverpool, you know, writes a number on a piece of paper, flips it upside down, and slowly slides it across the table to the delegate from the PIF with a number on it for Mosella because they'll just pay it. Like yeah. unless and- you make it a Looney Tunes number, like five hundred million. Yeah. Like Gavi or Pedri want or whatever it is that has the billion pound release clause or the billion euro release clause. Yeah. Like just we'll pay that release clause and like, oh shit, was not expecting that. It's like yeah. money literally means nothing to them. So like yeah. what are you gonna do? I think the answer just has to be no. Just no. Yeah. And it, from what I'm reading, at least, that seems to be the word coming out of the club. Is like there yeah. doesn't seem like there's any wavering on it. It's just a no. I for, look, I compl- I believe that every single player has a value and has a price. I always have. And it, it, it's not just a new thing with Saudi. This goes way, way back. Yeah. I think owners will look at it long term and say, even if Man City, when, when Man City won the treble, their prize money, their income was just under £300 million. If someone is coming in offering you ridiculous, stupid monopoly money, the equivalent of that, for a player with two years left in his contract, the club will take it. And I've no doubt in my mind. And Chris's point of with two two days to go in the window is of no help to us. You're right, it's not. But it's the way of the world that if someone is prepared to offer you that kind of level of stupid money, an idiot is the one who refuses it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I doubt it will. But it's, um, I definitely think there's a number where Liverpool will have a conversation. Whether whatever happens with that conversation, I haven't got a clue. No idea. Yeah, I don't just want like, it to happen. I don't, I, don't want to, no. I don't want it to happen. No, of course not. Je- like, yeah. Jesus, no. Like, that's the worst possible thing that could happen. We could sign Chuameni and Andre and uh, Vardial comes to us off of Man City. But if we lost Mo Salah, it would be a terrible window because he's just so good and he's so important for us. Uh, just... Jack Santini says, this is why we don't put cl- release clauses in contracts. I think the only reason that most places have release clauses is because it's required. I believe Spain yeah. and Portugal, it's le- like it's legally required that their yeah. contracts have release clauses in it. Or just an extremely powerful player representative that's able. Like, why would any club put a release clause on any of their players? Like... There's just no reason for that. Uh, I think there's a level of player already... where you do. Uh, Rafael Leao, yeah. If you were looking for, if the, if you were looking to replace Luis Diaz, 
then yeah, he wouldn't be one to play on the right. I honestly wouldn't be a bit surprised that Liverpool will look seriously at Jarrod Bowen next summer. And Bacolo apparently is leaving Lyon to go to PSG. Um, Colo Muani is wanted by PSG as well. It looks like PSG are going to go young and French and actually look like they're uh, going to be building a, a, a real side for a change. Well, that, actual that was a disaster, wasn't there. it, Kev? The, yeah. the PSG Galactico experiment was it yeah. that's it was. But the, I guess they Spain, made one final. The, this is what I mean. In Spain, you have to have release clauses, and it's up to the club if the club if so. And they were caught out with Neymar because no one for any no one saw in their wildest dreams that PSG would come along and go, yeah, okay, have it, yeah. But hey, look at what I put as the release clause on it, and they all laughed and they signed the contract. Yeah, put it and, in the, and then they went and, and then they went yeah. and paid it. Yeah, and then they went. Um, and paid it, so. I just think if there was a world where FSG actually did it, and they went and sold it, then all I could see happening is Dominic Sabazlai would play on the right wing, uh, Harvey Elliott would play in behind it. Uh, Graven Birch and Jones would be your backups to the eights along with Thiago and uh, Stefan Bacetic would uh, fight it out with Endo to play in the six and we just have to muddle through until the next window opens while everyone in the world knows that we have a pocket full of cash and we would get robbed left right and centre but that's a hypothetical break glass emergency option uh, I mean on the heels uh, of getting Sabalai, if we if we could add Kvaritskalia to our team, we would have some of like uh, an opposition local radio guy's worst nightmare of like, let's see the names here on this Liverpool team sheet. What the hell are these? I mean, Manchester United, Manchester United commentators must have absolutely loved it when they signed Fred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Fred and they can just combine two into one. Yeah. It's so easy. So, Isn't so that? easy. Yeah. So, Oshin, Oshin McGinley is McGinley saying that uh, we've got here we go on the uh, Brighton straight loan option. No option to buy until May 2024 for Antifati to Brighton. Uh, They've got the money. Like, it's not even permanent. Yeah. Fulham in for Andre Diswinda as Paulinho replacement. I wouldn't Fulham be were sniffing around Andre before Liverpool yeah. was linked with him. It was yeah. Fulham and Wolves uh, came in after he kind of rebuffed mm-hmm. the Portuguese league. Because obviously, you know, that open pathway from the Brazilian league through the Portuguese league onto the continent. Turns out he didn't want to play in Portugal. He was open to a mm-hmm. Premier League move and Fulham and Wolves were sniffing around him. So, like, I, yeah. it just feels like a deal that you just go and get it done now. Just go yeah, get it okay. done now. Get the player signed up and let him do his thing where... Somebody, I can't remember who it was uh, earlier when we were talking about Andre and Fluminense. It was like, there's no chance they're winning the the Copa Libertadores. Well, and it doesn't matter. After, like, if they get through this round, if they beat the Paraguayans who they have a 2 nothing lead on, uh, Olympia that they're playing against, if they get through, even if there's a possibility, I still don't know whether it's possible to buy a Brazilian player currently. I know Emma shared something you with can. us where it says you can't but there's literally one link to it on the whole internet. And it's like, I don't know anymore. So yeah, listen, like, that that's absolute nonsense. Nottingham Forest have literally just bought a center back from Corinthians, uh, Murillo for 
11.7 million pounds uh, the other day. So, yeah, that's Ooh. literally just nonsense. Not only does um, Emmett spread fake news, but he's mean. He says Fatty is equal to Bojan 2.0. That's mean. Yeah, it's, look, it will be – I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at Brighton. I really am looking forward to – to seeing what he does at Brighton, to be fair, because I think that he there's a player there for sure. Justin Goins uh, up here makes a point. Uh, Diaby before he went to Villa would have been a perfect oh. replacement on the right. See, I think Diaby is the type of player who want who will play as a right. You know, he he will start. In a, he he will just start in almost every Premier League side. He's really good. He could be one that they could see. They Liverpool could look at in twelve months' time. After he's been at Villa for a year and just go right in for him, you wouldn't know. Yeah. So, I don't know if our little preview show we did before the first game of the season ever got published or not, but he was I my hope not. he was <laughs> you know, he was my player to watch for the year. I uh, I really think that's a smart signing by uh uh by Aston Villa bringing him in and the first three yeah. games of the season. I mean he scored in the first game, so that always helps when you you know, say you've got a big thing. <laughs> uh, Red Steve, welcome back to the chat, Red Steve. We've all missed you very much, but not really all that much. He says, would Kvaradana really come to Liverpool just to be Ben Doak's understudy? And Yeah, Kvaradana is someone, again, anyone who's actually watching, who's watching Napoli, again, plays on the left, cuts in from yeah. onto his strong right foot. Uh, this is all assuming that Liverpool carry on looking to play with a 4-3-3 or three forwards. It could be the case that we evolve into, you know, we go out and buy a striker and just play 4-4-2. Well, Kev, I think I've... diamond or whatever I, way you I think I've, I think I've cracked it. I think I've cracked it. How to play the formation that we want to play, be a little bit more solid at the back, but also accommodate having Darwin Nunez in the team. We basically just play with a three, like, like we're down a man, and you just leave Darwin and you tell him he's literally not supposed to come back into our half. Let's just play like we're already down a man because we seem to defend quite well when we've had a man sent off. So we'll play that 4-2-3 or whatever it was or 4-3-2 that we were playing after we got the red card against Newcastle and just leave Darwin to just stay on the shoulder of the final man <laughs> just as an emergency escape valve. Uh, <sighs> I, I tell you, I watched a breakdown, a, a tactical breakdown of so the Newcastle-Liverpool game and my God, Klopp and Pep Linders did not get enough credit on the day and since for that masterclass. That yeah, what was on that on? Because I, I also watched, I think that was 442 on their... It was, yeah, it was 4 like was the podcast. And yeah. the guy broke it down so well and showed... Oh, we had to write our look. You know, yeah. we really had to write our look. And Alison was outstanding. But the way that Klopp changed it to, for, to that 4-3-2, to always have the threat in behind, to get to a certain stage in the game, and then to go again and change it to switch it to a four-two-three to get back into it with twenty minutes to go. Yeah, it was absolute genius. It was. It was. If anyone hasn't seen it after the show, after you click your like and subscribe and what have you, and please hit the like button. Put in four-four-two tactics on um, in the search bar and see if you can find the link to that breakdown. It was yeah. it was actually brilliant. It was a really well. It was a really it was a brilliant. It's a brilliant channel anyway. Yeah. But it's it was a great great um, tactical breakdown of how Liverpool literally broke through the side who just play football by numbers yeah. and literally just gave them 
it was it was just absolutely brilliant. He said the guy's a Newcastle fan. He was in the ground and he sat up fairly high and he said he, he was watching it and he could see it in real time what the hell was going on. And he was like, if I can see it, how the hell can Eddie Howe not see what's going on here? Yeah. But he just said he saw it and he was like, it was just genius. It was simple. It was simplistic yeah. genius. Yeah. But yeah, I know it was brilliant. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was. A, I was a big, big fan of that. So that deserves a shout out. The other thing I will say from uh, other content that I saw, I believe it was Chloe Bloxham's in the ground fan cam when she showed Virgil's tackle of like, oh shit, that's a red. Like from where the away fans were sitting at that angle of like, I just don't know red. Like I haven't seen it from yeah. that view of the pitch. There's not a lot of replays. You know, it's always slow mo and super close on the ball, and that really gave you a feel for the way the play was developing and it's just a, it's just a red <laughs> you dope yeah you big dope. um look how oh, before we go um it's gonna be i think more than likely friday when the um punishments are handed down what do you think he's gonna get what do you I expect him to get I... but what do you think he's got what do you realistically think he's gonna get I think he's going to get the one game for the red card and one more game. I think he's going to get one more game also. I think it might be helped because I saw that it might be three more games tacked on. I think Joyce it was that tweeted that he could get an extra three-game ban for his violent outburst towards. I would hope that the actions of the fourth official and being the second time in the last, what, 10 Premier League games that we've played where there has been a member of the officiating crew putting their hands on one of our players when that's not supposed to happen in either which sort of way. I hope that that is somewhat factored into it. He's definitely going to get extra punishment. I don't think there's any doubt about that because they want to put him in the stockade in the middle of town for everybody to see. Oh, there we go. This is why you wait until the top of the hour here. Ashley L filling us in on the wicked indie breaking exclusive care of ITK Chris Brack, find him on Twitter and complain at him, saying Gravenberch is desperate to join LFC and has agreed personal terms. The bid for Mo is 110.3 million, and we're in for Hincape, but bid won't be entertained. Well, you can always rely on Indy, in fairness, uh, take it with a big shovel of salt. Um, yeah, I don't think a deal for Gravenberch is going to be a difficult one to do. No. Um, I think I think that Emmett is right. I think he's going to get a four-game ban. And it'll be one game for the red, and I think it's going to be a three-game. One is an example to uh, because look, they they love they're not happy about the fact that they got the McAllister decision overturned. Hmm. They're also not happy about last year the fact that Klopp had the temerity to speak out against the referees and the standards, and. Look, at the end of the day, there's personal agendas in all of this. There's personal grievances. We heard it. If anyone listened to the interview with Mike Dean, Mike Dean has a history going back with Klopp that he talked about in his podcast with Simon Jordan that goes back to when Mike Dean was refereeing a game um, that Dortmund were involved in against Real Madrid. And he said, he openly admitted, he said, I got a decision absolutely horrendously wrong in that game. And the next time he was back refereeing in Dortmund as a fourth official, Klopp eyed him up, didn't say a word. It's like, I know. You know I know. <laughs> and it's like, ever since then, they just don't oh, like word. each other. Yeah. yeah. And if people, if if nobody can tell me that these referees don't carry agendas into games 
with them. They're human beings the same as everyone else. They know what the media is talking about them. They know what the media is saying about them in terms of they're getting so many horrendous, blatant decisions badly wrong because they're concentrating on getting the nitpickety stuff right, and they can't even get that right, you know, in games. And if anything happens, if Virgil gets this four-game, and I think it will be a four-game four game ban, then you watch what happens over the next four weeks. Anything that resembles dissent will be highlighted to the nth degree by every single Liverpool fan and pointed out as nothing is happening. Why is it only happening to our players? You know, and we'll see what happens. But look, all right, well, tomorrow's another tomorrow's another day. We're going to have right. stuff tomorrow, and it's going to be wall to wall transfers, left, right, you, and center. Who knows who will be linked away? It'll be Fuck knows. Uh, it's every morning is just a joy waking up, especially over here where I'm five hours behind you guys. So yeah, all the news and all the reactions have come out. So. Yeah. All the shit's already happened by the time you're by the time you get your ass up out of bed. Exactly. Yeah. The the shit's already hit the fan, and I'm just kind of walking through the aftermath and laughing <laughs> at the funniest bits. So, um, but I guess I mean the biggest thing before we leave, Kev. Uh, obviously, besides our charity, which I'll get to, is do you think Gravenbridge goes down tomorrow? Do you think we see the early knockings of the signing getting done? I think we'll know what Fulham want to do early doors tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, if there's no noise coming out of that mute that Palinia deal to Munich, then the Gravenberg deal is dead in the water. Yeah, they can they can agree to till they're blue in the face a deal with Liverpool and a, agree a deal with um, the player. If Munich can't get a backup centre mid in the door, it won't happen. The only alternative is to go back to what Emma Emmett was talking about as an alternative player for us to be looking at is maybe going for Hoiberg. <laughs> people will laugh and joke. I watched him coming off the bench, closing games out for Spurs. And he's been very good. He's been very good at what he does. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if something along those lines happened, if this deal falls through. Hey. Wouldn't be a bit surprised. I was saying early doors in the summer that Liverpool should be looking at getting in James Ward-Prowse, and I was laughed at and laughed at and laughed at, and now mm -hmm. it seems like a pretty commonly held idea that signing James Ward-Prowse was pretty smart business by West Ham United. So ain't yeah. that the way she goes. But we're here with you on the LFC Day Trippers for the rest of this godforsaken transfer window. There is only, what is it, just now under two days remaining, correct? We've got 48 yep. hours of this still to go, and then we can not get back to the football because there will be an international break barreling around the corner before we even know it. But thanks, everybody, for joining us. Please hit the like button for us. Uh, if you're listening to the show on a podcast afterwards, if you can go in and give the episode, give the show a five-star review, all it helps us out, keeping everything free, getting more people listening to the Day Trippers, bringing more people into our wonderful YouTube chat community, which is always hilarious and full of, witty and insightful comments and red steve so uh now that he's back everything is right in the world so we're definitely doing a show on friday night for the closing of the transfer window because it is the start of a long weekend here for labor day in canada for me so have a few cans and come in and watch the absolute nothing happen we'll be watching the paint dry but i believe somebody said kev that the european draws are friday morning correct uh, Champions League draw is tomorrow afternoon, along with the Conference League 
draw is tomorrow. I think it's 5 p.m. our time. I'm not sure if the Europa League draw is the day after. I don't know. I'm not sure, but it's it's soon. It'll give us. Yeah, it'll we, give us. We've got a show to coming up tomorrow night as well, where we've oh, got. Um, oh yeah. yeah, we've got Spurs fan on tomorrow night. Uh, talk about their season so far and what's going on there at the minute. So that'll be good. That'd be a bit nice. Of but no, nice. we'll, we'll keep everyone up to date. On what transfers? What news is happening tomorrow? And then Friday, the big roundup with um, what's going on. And the, cl- the last hour of the window will be live as usual. Yeah, and we can go through. Now we'll finally be able to put a pin in what everybody's business looked like. And uh, yeah. over the course of the show, take a look at all the other Premier League teams' business and see how everybody's done and how many other teams yeah. end up coming up short on it for it there. So, yeah, uh, Ref Watch also tomorrow night on the uh, yeah. Premier League Week in Review show because – as every single week for this season, there will be more and more talking points with the fools that pulled the whistles in our game. But other than that, this has been a nice, fun little Wednesday night show for everybody. Hopefully we get some Ryan Gravenberch news tomorrow. But either which way, LSU Day Trippers are going to be here with you guys both tomorrow night and Friday. Two shows on Sunday uh, coming up after the game. Please help our charity partner, the 12 Double Women running the double marathon for uh, breast cancer awareness. They're getting very close to their 20,000 euro fundraising target and they're getting very close to the date when their race is happening. So if you can help us get there, that's all we ask you for at the show. Helps us keep everything free and helps us do the right thing for some good people that could use a little bit of help from people like us. So thank you very much for joining me, Kev. See you guys all later. Pleasure as always. Yep. See you, buddy. See you, mate. Sports Social Podcast Network.